0: I started, you know, warming up. I was on the sidelines, and then that thing broke out. And uh, I remember just looking at it, thinking, "This is this is like nothing I've ever seen before." I wonder if these guys do this every game.
1: Welcome to the YO Sports podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Alongside me is my co-host, as always, Mister Robert Munoz from YO Sports. We have another fantastic episode for you on the YO Sports podcast. Here, we're going to talk about there have been some adjustments to the schedule that we had already broke down just last week. Apparently. To get on national TV, you got to do whatever it takes. And sometimes that takes playing on Thursdays and Fridays. So we'll talk about how that affects the schedule, affects quite a lot of things, actually, especially rest heading into some particularly big games, as well as I personally am just pissed, okay? You, you don't put the potentially biggest game of the entire conference season on CBS Sports Network but we'll get into we'll get into that more later as well as we will talk about the one University of Wyoming guy that we can't wait to see take the field in 2020 it's it's a blessing to have this season so just just really excited to talk Wyoming football and get ready to See a few guys in particular in action, so Robert and I will get into that. And then we are joined to continue our rivalry month by former Colorado State quarterback and head coach and offensive coordinator QB's coach. I don't know what positions he didn't coach before, Steve Fairchild. Steve will be on the show with us. We talked extensively about his college football career at colorado state both on the gridiron and on the sidelines as a coach and then to wrap up the podcast the biggest game of the year at the wyoming high school football level happened last week and it was a doozy It was certainly a surprising effort by one side, according to our very own Robert Munoz. So Robert will jump in and he will break that down. He was covering the game himself. So he'll talk all about it. Let us know his thoughts coming out of that game. And then we will see you next week. We will talk to you next week before the very first University of Wyoming football game of 2020. It's a magical day. It's a magical day to be alive. But first, Robert, how are you doing, buddy?
2: David, what's going on, my man? Doing well. Can't complain. Living large, living life. Another day in paradise in windy Wyoming. The only normal thing about 2020 here is the constant wind as always. I know you're up in Casper now and how's the wind treating you up there in your new home it is
1: certainly very windy here as well Robert don't worry you are not the only one being affected by the wind it is a little earth shaking to be up on the third floor with how windy it's been the last few nights but we are surviving up here in Casper so let's just jump right in University of Wyoming they've got quite a few games on Thursday and Friday. You've made the case. We didn't know the dates coming in to last week's pod. We didn't know the exact dates and who and what TV stations each game will be broadcast. Those came out yesterday on Tuesday. So what jumps out to you most after seeing those finalized dates and opponents and everything? Obviously, there's Subject to change due to COVID and 2020 and you just never know what's going to happen.
2: I don't know. I just think it is kind of interesting. We may have been expecting it. We may not have been, but the Thursday and Friday night games, is it kind of smart? Because CBS Sports Network, Fox, who knows who's going to be watching? I'm sure there are going to be a good amount of people watching on Thursday and Friday night. So it may be smart that the Mountain West is doing that, and they have to, like you said, to be on t v but I think it'll be some great exposure for the conference there, so I think that kind of just stood out to me i didn't I didn't anticipate that many Thursday and Friday night games, but I mean, I don't know as much as anybody else that many other people you know.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying there. are Two Thursday night games on CBS Sports Network and two Friday night games on Fox Sports 1. I know that with your basic cable package here in the state of Wyoming, you do get Fox Sports 1. Fox Sports 1 is one of the included cable channels, so it's it's not going to be an issue to see those games. But... The rest of the games on the University of Wyoming schedule, you got to pay a little bit extra. You got to shell out to get CBS Sports Network. And there are two Thursday night games, as well as the very first game of the season at Nevada, will be on CBS Sports Network. I understand you want to be associated with a major outlet like CBS, but their sports only network, it's not. It's not on the level of NBC, Fox, or even ESPN at this point. So it's 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 a reach for fans to go out and watch their team. You got to find a place to go watch the game, pay a little bit more, enjoy yourself on a night out, or you just got to bite the bullet and get the entire sports package and pay for a bunch of channels that you may or may not want. I'm just very upset looking at the schedule. And December 12th, the game that everybody has circled in Laramie against Boise State. It's on CBS Sports Network. What an absolute joke. Okay? You have to know if you're the conference going in, these are arguably two of the top three or four teams in the conference and could very certainly determine one of the participants in the conference championship game, and you put it on a network that not many people are going to shell out to have extra four. I, just, I think that's a massive swing and a miss.
2: Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I think more people than you're anticipating will – Pay those extra shekels, as you would say. Another thing that's pretty interesting is there are no divisions. The top two teams will be playing for the title. And I think that's pretty cool, they're going about that. And
0: maybe that gives Wyoming a better shot of making it. I don't know. Who knows?
2: What do you think about that? Does that give Wyoming a better shot? Or... It
1: obviously gives Wyoming a better shot to make the Mountain West Conference championship game. Boise State, whether we like it or not, they're always going to be the favorite in the Mountain Division. They they just are. They've got a fantastic program, and they know how to play football on that blue turf up there. So they're always going to be the favorite. And anytime that you can eliminate them in terms of from having the one and only spot or should you say the the inside track to getting that spot. It's great for University of Wyoming. Obviously Cats, Michael Cats thought Nevada was going to be good. I don't see it. I don't think you see it as well, Robert. But they're in the, in the Western Division and then San Diego State, they always have a good team and they're a good program. But They've got a lot of turnover at that program. So, and to throw on top of all that turnover, you've just got 2020 and that's not been a recipe for success so far in terms of wins and losses from the teams that we've seen already kick off here in 2020. Wyoming, they've, they've got everything lined up for them in terms of the schedule. And like we said, Two win, two losses should at least have you in contention for the Mountain West Conference championship game.
2: That's what we were kind of hitting on was Wyoming losing two two games. I mean, we kind of agreed on that. Three games potentially, but neither of us really saw it happening, or see it happening. But we're not the experts, David. Let's just move along and we'll talk about more next week. U football season starts next week. We'll 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 crack down, we'll get it going. But as you mentioned earlier, who are you really looking forward to seeing play in the brown and gold uniform this season?
1: If you couldn't guess and I'm probably not the only one, but it's Xavier Valade. Xavier Valade is going to be an absolute monster. You limit the season to eight games, a conference only slate, a bunch of teams that he has seen before, a bunch of teams that he knows are in the way between him and a conference title. And he's just going to take the ball, and put the rest of the team on his back. I can't wait to see him in our previous episodes. Michael Katz and I were debating over whether or not he would rush for 2,000 yards. Katz didn't think he was going to put up any monstrous stats because he thought the ball was going to be more evenly distributed in the backfield. But personally, it's college football, baby. You're going to ride... The horse that got you there. You're going to dance with the girl who took you to the dance. Okay. And Craig Bull knows that this team runs and rides and wins behind Xavier Valade running the ball successfully. I can't wait to watch him out there this season. It, it doesn't matter the score. Wyoming's going to run the ball, whether they're down one score, two score in the second half, even three scores at some times. They're going to run the ball. They're going to need him to carry this team. And I can't wait to watch him produce at an astronomical level in 2020.
2: Oof. Astronomical. High hopes, high expectations, but I hope that Those expectations are met and even exceeded, David. For me, I'm a big defensive guy. I love defense. Love defensive players. I think they don't get talked about enough sometimes. But I'm still going to have to roll with the offense. Our boy Aiden Everhart, a previous guest on the podcast. I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, we know this offense may not pass the ball Oh, a ton. But he's looking like he's going to be the leading receiver for the group. He made some strides last year. He has a lot of potential. And I'm just excited to see what he can do for the squad. And no matter who's back there tossing him the ball, I think he'll still be out there making plays like he did in the Arizona Bowl against Georgia State. That's an excellent point, Robert.
1: A. Neverhart should be primed for a big season. Hopefully he can make something happen. Coming out of that Arizona Bowl appearance, he made that epic touchdown grab right before the half on the receiving end from a Levi Williams pass. So like you said, hopefully whoever's at quarterback is looking his way this season. But right now, we are looking towards Steve Fairchild. We interviewed him as part of our Rivalry Month here on the YO Sports Podcast. Steve played quarterback at Colorado State, as well as was the assistant head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, coached a lot of positions, and then he was the head coach at his alma mater for four seasons. So really happy to have him on the podcast. He talks all about The Wyoming-Colorado State rivalry, the border war from the Fort Collins perspective. So without further ado, Steve Fairchild. Alright, it's another great guest for our rivalry month this month. We have former Colorado State quarterback, offensive coordinator, QB's coach. I don't know what positions he didn't coach, as well as he was the head coach at Colorado State for a few seasons, Steve Fairchild. Steve, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show.
1: Well, we really appreciate you giving us some time here. And I want to start out, you're, you graduated high school in San Diego, California, and then you went to a community college out there. So how did you make your way... East, if you would, and end up in Colorado State.
0: Well, I was, uh, I was like a lot of high school players. I, I, I wanted to go on and play college football. I wanted to try to play in the NFL, and yet uh, after my senior year, uh, I was not recruited uh, by any colleges, and uh, just wasn't ready at that point to to give up on football. So uh, I, I was lucky. I lived in a state like California that you know, had a community college system that played a, a really good brand of football. So I decided I would give it a couple more years and extend my career by playing there. So I played at San Diego Mesa, it actually ended up being a, a place I went back and coached at uh, after I was done playing. You went two and one. I guess to, to be oh. clear is that that was what led me to be recruited. Uh, after I started playing at the junior college level, I was successful enough to to get some interest by some Division One football programs, uh, in Colorado State seemed like the best fit for me because uh, coming out of junior college, I'd already played two years, so I only had two years of eligibility left. Uh, and they were they were uh, losing their starting quarterback; he had been a senior, so the job was open, and it just seemed like a, not a good school, good good area to live in, but. Uh, most importantly a, a football program that that had an opening at quarterback and a chance to come in and compete and uh, give a chance to start
1: well as as a starter at Colorado State your teams went 2 and 1 against the University of Wyoming do you remember playing in any of those border war games specifically
0: you know I, I the, the ones that come to mind uh you know when you mentioned talking about the border war obviously um, you know, the one in 1978 I was a part of uh, at Hughes Stadium where we had uh, kind of came to the game right before kickoff and ran down through the stands in the student section and, you know, a huge fight erupted <laughs> at the coin toss and <laughs> the game was delayed and it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was like something I've never seen before. It was surreal that that actually happened. Uh, and that was actually my first year as as a as a player at Colorado State. I did I didn't know better. I just thought this this is what these two schools always always did. So that that memories so I can I can picture that like it was just yesterday. And then, then my senior year was a big a big game for us because we were uh, still in the hunt for the conference championship of the WAC. And back then BYU um always won it but we were still in it and it was uh you know late in the season in November and we had to put together a, a last minute drive there in Hughes Stadium to come back and, and win that win that game against Wyoming. I believe Pat Dye was the the head coach for Wyoming that year. But that was a huge win for us. Uh and and all those memories that you you don't forget. You can I mean to me it almost seems like it was yesterday.
1: Do you remember where you were in the middle of that fight?
0: You know, I, I remember as a quarterback, I always, you know, when when you got to the stadium or got to the field after, you know, even after warm-ups when you go in the locker room and come back out, and this was a situation where we had warmed up. We had warmed up at the hotel and then came running through the stands. But I was always very interested in finding a football and a receiver as a quarterback just to get about 10, 12 throws in before, uh, you know, before we had to go out on the field. You never know if you're taking the opening kickoff. So I started – you know, warming up. I was on the sidelines, and then that thing broke out. And uh, I remember just looking at it, thinking, "This is this is like nothing I've ever seen before." I wonder if these guys do this every game. But uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't in the thick of it. I wasn't in there throwing punches if if I remember right.
2: For many years, you were prepping to play Wyoming defenses. And is there a certain player that maybe you? kind of you guys prepped extra hard for or that you can remember you guys were kind of just focusing on getting written while you were getting ready to play against
0: Wyoming? You know, offhand, I don't remember a specific player. I just remember Wyoming, uh, as a, you know, always a a tough front seven type of football team. You know, you knew, uh, when you were going to play the university of Wyoming that they were, um, you know, you know, tough to run the football on and, you know, be able to put a pass rush on you and um, always had great respect. They've always had some good teams up there, good coaches. And, you know, I'm thinking back Dennis Erickson and and so forth. And, and uh, it was always kind of a, in my mind, I always thought, you know, this is a, this going to be a tough football game and, um, you know, it better be a good week of practice and better get them due respect because they're, uh, they're always going to show up and play hard. With you being kind of a quarterback, Guru, if you would, um,
2: you ranked the top quarterback in the 2018 draft class, and you put on NFL Draft Bible. I saw, and you put Josh Allen as your number one quarterback. Do um, you remember watching him and going through that? What you liked about him so much? We're big Josh Allen
0: guys on this podcast. Just you know, well, you should be big Josh Allen guys. Uh, you know, I think he's proving to be as you look at this. Uh, you know, season, you know, he's starting out and uh, really starting to come into his own as an NFL quarterback. And, you know, to me, Josh was one of the most talented guys I'd, I'd written up. Uh, there wasn't really anything um, from a physical standpoint that, that he wasn't going to be very, very good at at the NFL level in terms of throwing the ball and, um, you know, athletic and big and strong and, you know, a tough guy and all, all the things you were looking for. And I know the rap on him coming out was, you know, I think some of the the draft pundits just kind of looked at it and said, well, he's a 59% thrower in college, so he must not be accurate. But I I didn't see it that way. I thought he had very good ball placement. Um, You know, at times I thought, you know, especially senior year, he had lost some receivers, so there there wasn't a lot of great separation that he was throwing to, but a very impressive player. Like I said, I really liked him and Sam Darnold. Uh, and I think sometimes people are, you know, Baker Mayfield ended up going first in that class and I wasn't uh, all that high on him. And Lamar Jackson's just a different, different dude. You know, he, he's going to play it the way he plays it. And, um, you know, they adapted the offense to him. But I think as time's going on, you know, you're seeing that Josh probably was the, the prototype NFL player in that draft class and very, very good football player. And I would be surprised if he doesn't have a a very good NFL career.
1: Yeah, well, we're hoping for the same things as well. Like Robert said, we're huge fans of Josh Allen on this podcast. You worked under Sonny Lubick, and then you succeeded him at Colorado State. What do you remember about him as a coach?
0: Sonny was, uh, you know, an excellent football coach, but but just an, an outstanding person. And I think the real uh, thing that you got about got from Sonny as you worked with him was. Uh, just he's he's very special in the way he relates to people, and and he's one of those guys when he walks into the building, uh, you know the 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 lowest guy or the highest guy it didn't matter to him. He treated everybody just with genuine respect and care. And like I said, it didn't matter if you were the guy sweeping the building floors or if you were the president of the university. He treated you the same, walk on or star player. It, it didn't matter. He just he genuinely cared about you and. Uh, just had a very very you know good way with people and, and that combined with you know just a great defensive background and great football background that he had uh, you know he's an excellent coach but you you get that people skill thing involved and it made him very very special so uh, I was very fortunate I I was able to coach with some some outstanding coaches both in the NFL and college but he certainly ranks up there as, as one of the best guys that, that I had a chance to work for and you know, be mentored by and learn from. And, um, you know, they don't, they don't they don't come like him every day.
2: We spoke with Kyle Whittingham uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him this question. I kind of just wanted to ask you, but where does, especially because you've been coaching around the country, just in terms of college, where does Wyoming rank playing at in terms of hostility and just difficulty to play at in an opposing place?
0: Well, I think it's it's difficult to play there. I don't know that I would rank it uh, necessarily, uh, you know, because I, that that I'd want to give some thought to, and uh, you know, and really really recall wherever where I've been. But uh, I know it's a difficult place to play for a lot of reasons. Man, number one is is you know they always have good fans there, and they're always uh, I don't know if hostile is the right word, but they're they'll let you know uh, that they're there. Uh, so it's not like you're going into a dormant situation or a you know a quiet stadium, but but a lot of it's the altitude too, and and it's a it's a you know it's not a tough road trip from Fort Collins, but that's a tough road trip uh, for people that are flying into Denver and and so forth. So uh, you know I think it's a it's a you know logistically a difficult place to get to, and and more importantly the altitude and uh, you know the fact that the fans not just show up but they're passionate. They're, you know, there's a real feel for. Uh, the university up there, you know, no pro sports or anything. And, and you can just kind of get the vibe when you go there that the fans, are, it's, it's very important to them. And I, you know, I'm speaking of the rivalry, I, I you know, I'm going to add lib a little bit here, but I, I know from being at Colorado state as a player, and, and I learned at first as a player, obviously, and then, you know, was able to be a part of it as an assistant coach and then a the head coach, but that, that university CSU does a great job of, of indoctrinating, you know, fans, students, players—you uh, know—about how important that rivalry has been and will be. Um, and you spend all week talking about you know moments that have occurred and, and just how how important it is. And I'm sure the University of Wyoming gets the same feeling. That they do the same thing. They they really they really talk to their team and their their athletic department about how each each time they get a chance to play this game, how important it is to not just them, but the entire state and you know, it's cliche, but it's true. You know, you, you you get somewhere and you say, hey, I don't care if you win a game, just beat Wyoming, you know, and um, I'm sure they're the same way with CSU.
1: I can imagine they are as well. I don't want you to give away any family secrets if you've shared them to other Colorado State coaches, but a lot of kids in high school are choosing between Wyoming and Colorado State from – Rocky Mountain area, the Mountain West. What would be your pitch against a kid who might be leaning
0: University of Wyoming? Well, you know, I I'm, I got to choose my words very <laughs> carefully here, not a of you guys in the entire state of Wyoming. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, let's just leave it at this. Uh, that didn't come up as often. Uh, as you'd think and um again treating my words wisely CSU is a very special university and again Fort Collins is a is a very, very cool place to to spend four or five years. Uh so it, we were tough to beat in that recruiting battle once we with Sunny once we got things going. Uh and we were we were playing good football year in, year out, being ranked and You know, at the top of the league, a lot of those years. So, um, you know, CSU's a a great place, and I'm always going to be biased because I, you know, I went to school there, met my wife there, and and spent a lot of my time raising my kids and working there. So, um, how's that for a politically correct answer? (laughs)
1: That that one that'll play. I really appreciate it. It might be blasphemous, (laughs) but I do love Fort Collins myself. It's a it's a great great town and a great place to spend some time i gotta ask now this one might sting a little bit but you were a part of wyoming's biggest win in the rivalry of all time the forty-four-zero game what do you remember just what do you think really went
0: wrong from
1: that day
0: oh, we just we didn't show up to play and that that ends up on me you know we weren't emotionally ready to play and Got behind, and we were a very, very young, young football team at that point, and uh, just didn't handle adversity very well, and, and it snowballed on us a little bit. You know, I've head coached twice uh, when we went up to Laramie, and one of them was a, you know, that 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 loss, which still stings, because we, do, you know, like I said, that that just uh, was probably one of the poor efforts I've been involved in. But two years earlier, I, I remember going up there and winning uh, as a part of the team. That, that one that win put us uh, bowl eligible well, and into a chance to play in the New Mexico Bowl, which we won. So, um, you know, I've got I've got a nightmare up there as a head coach, but I've also got a very fond memory of, of a of a win up there as a head coach. And and as an assistant, uh, you know, we always I always feared you know our teams with Sonny they're fairly well up there and playing. And, and like I said, it's a, it's a tough place to play with the altitude and all that. But uh, there's some you know, good memories as well of what was in that stadium.
1: Yeah, if I've got it right here, I think you went six and two as an assistant against Wyoming under or with Sonny. So, yeah, you've certainly had some successes and a winning record as well during your playing career. You, I was gonna let you end on a high note and talk about that win in Laramie, but you stole that from me. So, just want to wrap it up with. I just want to wrap it up with. Uh, what What are you up to now, Coach? Re- really appreciate your time, but tell folks about what you're uh, what you're currently doing to spend your time.
0: Well, I, I coached, you know, as a profession for for thirty four years. Um, so football, you know, been a part of my life as a as a player, student athlete, and then for for thirty four years, and spent some time as, you know, in the NFL for for a number of years spent some time as a college football coach or you know as a coordinator and head coach so I I, I had, a, had a career that uh, one day I just kind of woke up and, and kind of decided that I was gonna you know maybe shift gears and try something different and spend a little more time with my family and uh, so that's what I'm doing I, I do some uh, you know quarterback training right now and I do uh, some consulting I write some you know like that draft bible thing you were mentioning earlier I do some some of that work, and, th- and there's also a chance. You know, I'm at a good place in life where I'm young enough to travel, and um, you know, there's some international football that that people are interested in learning, both uh, coaches and and players around the world. So, just last year alone, I I think I was in Germany twice, uh, doing some camps and clinics. I was in Mexico City, and I actually spent two weeks in uh, Vienna, Austria last February, coaching the Vienna Vikings. Uh, and helping their staff and, and so forth. So uh, I'm trying to get around the world as much as I can, trying to keep my hand in football uh, without working a 14-hour day, uh, trying to do some coaching with the quarterbacks, and really just trying to enjoy life and doing as much travel as I can. So uh, life's good, and uh, I'm glad I was a part of the, the CSU-Wyoming rivalry. And like I said, some of those memories will, you know, staying with me, are staying with me, and, and they're fun to think about.
1: Well, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us and talk about your memories playing against Wyoming and what you're up to now. All really great stuff. So Steve Fairchild, former CSU quarterback, quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator, and a head coach at Colorado State. Really appreciate the time.
0: No, thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun.
1: All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Steve Fairchild. I certainly did. Steve's a great guy. He was very generous with his time. And for a CSU Ram, can't say he's a bad guy. He's a good guy. So really happy to have him on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. So we're going to wrap the podcast here. We had a little technical difficulties on my end here. So we're going to wrap this up. Robert's got about five minutes worth of thoughts on the Cheyenne East, Cheyenne Central football game. So he's going to give those to you.
2: And then we're going to wrap up the podcast here. Well, you know, David, the game was not quite what everyone had anticipated. We expected a much closer game and you know, that's all right. One team came out and they were just better. East was just better. And we talked about it last week. Um, I kind of mentioned how the offense, offensive weapons for East may have been better, and it kind of showed. Uh, Graydon Buell was just, he was making plays with his legs, hitting his receivers on the move, especially Jake Rale there. Jake Rail with three touchdowns, 160 yards for the T-Birds. And that was, he was doing that, and East's best receiver probably I mean I mean he is East's best receiver Jackson Hesford he got injured early in the second half so he wasn't there But in the first half he wasn't that big of a threat on the offensive side of the ball And that's kind of what I was saying was East's overall offensive weapons from what I have seen And how they've been utilized would be the difference And it was the big plays there were many big plays David defensively and the turnovers were just huge the turnovers East caused if you watch the game if you listen to the game it was the turnovers that really uh, they really gave East that advantage and like Central's coach said, post-game, he said, just like a waterfall. It started coming, he started pouring it on, and you just couldn't shut it off. That's, I mean, that's what it was. The f- turnovers, Central committing turnovers, and while well, they were in the red zone, committing turnovers while they were backed up against their own goal line. I mean, those were those were." Game-changing plays, as we know. it, And East, the big plays, I think they had four or five receptions that went 40 yards or more. And, you know, those big plays, I don't need to talk about how big those big plays are, how momentum-shifting they are. There was the pick six. East had a pick six that really opened up the game. I think that gave them the 34-3 lead before the half. And it was just... East was just a better team, but Central, you know, they lost. They're a fantastic team, and they lost to a fantastic team. Probably the two best teams in the state, and Central. I mean, it sucks. You lose. You lose. You're undefeated, and you lose to your rival in the regular season. But they didn't lose in the postseason, which you know, they didn't lose in the postseason so that's what practice is for that's what film is for they're going to learn from their mistakes and they're going to bounce back and they're going to be competitive going into the playoffs there's no doubt about it they're probably going to make a run um who knows these two teams could very well see each other again in the playoffs and hopefully maybe even potentially the state championship that would be wonderful that'd be great for City of Cheyenne, that'd be great for both of those squads. That'd be great for the football scene in general. So, wasn't quite the game we had anticipated, but I think still both those teams learned a lot about themselves. And hopefully, we can get a rematch here shortly.
1: Thank you, Robert, for those thoughts. It was a hell of a ball game. Hell of a ball game. So, Maybe not the game that everybody expected, but that—that's sometimes you lay an egg in high school football. So that does it for this episode of the YO Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. David Graff. Robert is R Munoz three o seven on Twitter, holding it down for the Cowboy State as he always does in Cheyenne. We will be back with you next week. We haven't decided if we're going to air another Rivalry Month interview because next week is the very first Wyoming football game this season, so we may switch it up, may have to save the Rivalry Month interview for another time, another time. Maybe we go back to those during the summer when there's less University of Wyoming sports going on. So that does it for this episode. Please continue to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We love it. We love the numbers going up a little bit each week. It's good to see people connecting with the pod and just really appreciate everybody, especially those who have thrown a few shekels our way. You can do the same if you haven't already at the link in the description. We always appreciate that. So thank you to all of our ongoing supporters. And if you want to join the club, Feel free, do it down there in the link in the description, and we really appreciate it. As well as, shout out to Shakewell for the music. Enjoy this last weekend without any Wyoming Cowboy football for the rest of 2020, hopefully COVID, COVID permitting. So, we'll talk to you next week about a ton of Wyoming Cowboy football.
3: Is you you're trying to prove, uh, uh, who you want to impress now, baby. I see you think you've got moves, so smooth, but you do not. How would it takes you past this test. So you better forget everything you know.